Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back at the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuckery Show. Coming to you live on this Friday evening. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Catch us on the Odyssey app when you're on the go. Social media is at 929thegame. I am at JMCH316. He is at DD Lewis for real. We will do rank them coming up at 1040. It is Friday night. 20 minutes from right now, we will talk to Falcons reporter Daniel Flick as uh, he is a writer for um, SI.com and Part of the uh, fan-sided uh, network, so we'll talk to him in about 20 minutes from right now. This unite look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. Okay, Day Day. The list is out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, do you think that an Atlanta Falcon made the top 50? We had we obviously only had the last 10 players right. to go. Well, think, that, <sighs> think they think they made the think a Falcon made the top. Did Lindstrom make the top? I was about to say, did 10? Lindstrom make it? Yeah. Um, Honestly, Chuck, after last night when I was doing posts and I was thinking about I was like, what? There's two names that we didn't – because we named a lot of guys that we're, we're pretty much sure are going to make the list, right, as far as other players. Yes. The Mahomes and uh, yeah. all those guys. Um, but there was two names we didn't discuss, and I thought about it afterwards. Devontae Adams. Yes. And then uh, my big boy in uh, San Francisco. Yes. Yeah, because that was – so I, I started thinking about that, and I was like, Oh crap! He's the best left right. tackle in football. Exactly. He's the he's he's. Let me put it this way: he's the best single offensive lineman right. in football. And I was like, oh crap, he's going to be on the list as right. well. Right. So those two names plus the ones we named last night, I was like, ooh. Yeah. So I, I want to say yeah, but probably not. No, no, not even close. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So number, I mean, this is where the list is at. Okay? Right. Number ten is Joe Burrow. Okay. Right. See. Number number nine is. Um, Oh gosh, that guy that sacks the quarterback a lot for the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. Gosh, Michael what, Parsons? Huh? What? Him? Who? <laughs> Who? Michael well, Parsons. Well, but 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 again, you know, Day Day. I mean, look, if if we're being honest, I mean, sacks really aren't that kind the of a big deal, huh? Analytics, what? The more you see how valuable sacks are. Oh, oh boy. Okay. Um, Devontae Adams was number eight. Okay. I see. Uh, let, let let me ask you this though. Uh huh. Is Devontae Adams the eighth best player in the NFL? That is kind of high. 
I mean, isn't Justin Jefferson yeah, or Stephon say, Diggs or Tyreek Hill? Like, aren't they every bit as good as Devontae yeah. Adams? But anyway, um, this is one of the names we also forgot. Um, Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. What What does he do? <laughs> what, what does he do? He, he gets uh, after it. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, but again, he sacks the quarterback, which I, it really isn't a big deal in today's NFL. Or The more you look how, at the what? advanced analytics, huh? the more you see how valuable sacks are. Oh, okay. All right. Um, well, okay. So, number six is Nick Bosa. So, again, if we're if we're being fair, I, I, whatever, what does he do on defense? I, I can't remember now. What does he do? On he he, he kind of comes off that edge, and then he kind of, you know. Okay. The more you look at the uh, what, advanced huh? analytics, what? the more you see how valuable sacks are. Oh, okay. Well, listen, um, so we change it up a bit where we go with number five is Miles Garrett. And I'm looking at the stat sheet, and seems like he may get to the quarterback a little bit too. Definitely have a question about uh, the team's pass rush. Yeah, play, play the first one. Yeah, play, play the play the first one there. Yeah, I, I gotta call it. The out. more you look yeah, at the what? advanced uh-huh. analytics, the more you see how valuable sacks are. Oh. so let's see here. Um, hmm. Players thirteen, nine, seven, six, five. Do what now? What what do those guys do? What what what? The more you look huh? at the advanced analytics. The more you see how valuable sacks are. Wow. Okay. Um, number four, no surprise, Travis Kelsey. D- does he influence a game or anything like that? Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay. Then number three was the guy we just talked about, Trent Williams. I got no problem with Trent Williams being the third best player in the NFL. Mm-mm. He's the most dominant offensive lineman in the NFL. And by the way, he came from the Commanders. Remember, that's mm-hmm. how they got yep. him from the Commanders. Number two, Aaron Donald. And again, so let's see. Let me let me make sure I've got this right, okay? Make sure I've got this right. Um 14, 13, 9, 7, 6, 5, and 2 all do what now? What what exactly do they do? The more you look at the advanced huh? analytics, the more you see how valuable sacks are. Wow. Okay. That sure seems like a lot of guys who get to the quarterback in the top fourteen or fifteen. Okay. And then, again, is there any doubt who the number one player was? Like, no. like literally. Like, again, I have said many, many times, and this is, this is 100% true. If you put every player into a free agent draft, okay, there would not be a single solitary team that wouldn't take Pat Mahomes with the first overall pick. If, that, if, if a general manager – wouldn't take Pat Mahomes with the first overall pick if every player was a free agent. That is a guy that doesn't know anything about football. That is a guy who has no clue and no wonder and should be washing cars at that point. He should be either putting the bucket in the French fry maker or he should be washing cars because he sure as hell doesn't deserve an NFL GM job. Mahomes is far and away the best player in today's NFL. Now that Tom Brady's out of the way, he is far and away the best. And he's the best player in the NFL. He's the most important player in the NFL. So no shock or surprise whatsoever there. But again, two, five, six, seven, 
9, 13, 14. Those are all guys that get after the quarterback, folks. Those are all high-caliber guys that come right off the edge and they eat your quarterback up for dinner with a side of Brussels sprouts. Do I think Lindstrom should have made the list? Chris Lindstrom should have made the list somewhere. Chris yeah. Lindstrom is one of the 50 best players in the NFL. Yeah. Okay? And and here's the funny thing. Like I said, and this is this pro football focus doesn't hate the Atlanta Falcons players. They love Lindstrom. They love Drake London. They love Kyle Pitts. Like, they, they fawn over those guys every chance that they get. A.J. Terrell, another guy. There aren't many franchises that didn't end up with one of the top 50 players in the NFL. Even the Raiders had multiple guys. <sighs> okay. I mean, look. Does it matter in the grand scheme of things that the Falcons didn't have a guy on this list? No. But doesn't it tell you something? Like, doesn't it show you or tell you something? Like, that there's nobody that just pops, right? Like, there's nobody that just, boom, is, is there and like, oh, well, that guy's a top 50 player. I mean, could you imagine a list like this without T.J. Watt or Tyreek Hill or Derwin James or Pat Sertain or... You know, Tristan Wirfs or Dexter Lawrence. Could you imagine a list like this without one of those guys? No, of course not. But again, we don't have those guys that just pop off the page. Boom, right in your face. Maybe next year, maybe maybe next year, if, if we get some outstanding performances from Drake London, Cal Pitts, Desmond Ritter, whoever. Chris Lindstrom has another big year. A.J. Terrell gets back on track. Look, we have the capability for it. I mean, at least we're not completely out of the realm of possibility from this happening. But we don't have a guy that just pops. Says, man, you can't you can't have a list of the top 50 players in the NFL without a guy like that. And unfortunately for the Falcons, they don't have those kind of caliber players. Because, again, Day-Day, remind me, right, Sauce Gardner's got eight years in the league, right? No. Oh. Pat Sertain's got a decade in the league, right? No. Well, I mean, okay, to be fair, Micah Parsons has played for ten years now. No. Okay. Okay. Um, The Madden ratings for quarterbacks and linebackers are out. Uh, Caden Ellis got a 73. Michael Walker got a 73 as well. What do you think Desmond Ritter's rating was in Madden? Oh, oh, oh. Say 82. 70. Whoa. Now, that's not good, is it? In no. Madden, in, in terms of Madden. No, but the way Madden works now, it's... Um... If he performs, like, it, it updates as the season actually goes. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, How does it do that? It's I mean, because, you know, everything is, uh, you know, technology now. So, yes, if he, you know. Is he, it the AI thing that's going to invade my computer and, nah, nah. and take over take over my space? No, 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 no. But it just keeps and, up and with all the And puts something in my brain that it just, it puts that, like, 
you know, brain thingy <laughs> in me or whatever? Nah, they uh, they have it set up now. Um, because, you know, everybody plays online now. Like, you literally right. don't even have to buy a disc anymore. Oh, okay. And so because it can keep up with everything online, it just updates off of the well, I'm afraid of that whole A1 thing or whatever it is. <laughs> I'm, again, I don't use steak sauce. I mean, I don't, I don't do all that. Anyway, uh, Taylor Heineke, a 68. Troy Anderson, a 66. Trey Davis, a 65. Uh, so, yeah, there's uh, some of the Falcons um, um, that, uh, that were on. Oh, Felipe Franks is a 60, by the way. How's Felipe Franks a 60? How's he even that high? <laughs> Anyway, what do you think Marcus Mariota was last year? Was he was Marcus Mariota about a thirteen? <laughs> probably by the time the season ended. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah, <laughs> again, probably not even that high. Because again, right. it updates. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, when when you said that, you know, it you don't even have to buy the 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 CD or the laser disc anymore or whatever. You know, oh, there's the lightning uh, coming in. All right, uh, Nick Holden has an article on Blogging Dirty um, for Atlanta Falcons who will prove. A lot of people wrong in 2023. Uh, Desmond Ritter is number one. I do think that that is true. I, I definitely think that Desmond Ritter is going to prove people wrong. That I'm not saying he's going to go out and be the MVP of the league, but you know, as our NFL insider that was on Dukes and Bell earlier today said, he said uh, you know something about Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter. He said. Something about Desmond Ritter. This is why I was making my hand gestures. and Desmond like Ritter okay. just has to be a point guard for the Falcons. That's it. I, I, I think that I think that's a very fair assessment. Again, I, didn't I say the term? I said I didn't want to use game manager. You know, I didn't want to use that term. And I think I talked to D-Led about that. I said, I don't like to use the term game manager. But that's kind of what it needs to be, right? I don't think he has to be the MVP of the league or anything for the Falcons to have success. So that's that's number one is Desmond Ritter is number one, uh, proving people wrong. Kyle Pitts number two. I hope. I mean, again, as the Ghostbusters have said, we are ready to believe you. Because at some point, you know, again, what Sauce Gardner got ten years in the league? No. No. Oh. How about Parsons? No. How about Pat Sertain? No. Okay. So you can be a high caliber player without having to be twenty years in the league. Have Matt Ryan as your quarterback and everything else, right? Anyway, um, again, they say that here, here's the opening line. The confusion around Kyle Pitts' step back in production seems to center around sports betting and fantasy football breakdowns that simply glanced at box scores. Those that did the work and watched Kyle in the 2023 season know the tight end is still an elite weapon, okay? Well, let's hope. Again, it's got to be a lot better than three touchdowns and 96 catches. Sorry. I mean, you can spin that narrative anyway. That's not fantasy football. That's that's the real thing on the on the field every Sunday. But anyway, uh, number three is Arthur Smith. Um, you know, look, can Arthur Smith be a better coach? Absolutely. I think Arthur Smith is in a pretty good place, though, as a head coach. I think he's one of the better play callers in the NFL. I think he's one of the bigger reasons why we've won that he's been able to get as much out of some of our players as he's been able to. But again, there's room for Arthur Smith to grow, but, but I think he's done a pretty good job in the first couple of years and Cordero Patterson as a number four, they say this is less about any negativity around Patterson and more about the consistent trade rumors that have been around the veterans since Atlanta drafted B. John Robinson. 
Well, again, I can sort of understand that because he's not going to be your top one or two running backs. But I think he's got a lot of value as far as slot receiver, third running back. Now that Caleb Huntley isn't going to uh, is going, I should say, is going to start the year on the pup list. I still think there's a lot of value in what Cordero Patterson can bring to this club. All right, we'll talk to Daniel Flick coming up here in just a few minutes. We'll get some Falcons talk with him. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at a Chuck Show, hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Friday night with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Braves uh, just getting cranked up here as uh, Yelich doubled uh, what should have been a single, but he doubled and then um, uh, another hit uh, off the wall, and uh, he scored. So Braves are down early here, one nothing in the uh, bottom of the first inning. So we'll keep you up to date along about what goes on with the Atlanta Braves. We were just talking some Falcons football with you here with the Falcons flyover. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Let's talk to Daniel Flick, Falcons writer for um, SI.com, Fan Nation. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page at DFlickDraft. Daniel, appreciate a few minutes uh, tonight on the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, man, absolutely happy to be here. Uh, I'm excited to chatted up with you about some Falcons ball ahead of training camp, man. You know, uh, we had uh, on the afternoon show earlier today was uh, one of the NFL guys, and I, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was talking about the idea of that Desmond Ritter just needs to be the point guard. Like, he doesn't have to shoulder the burden of 
trying to win games and, and, you know, again, and I'm not saying he's not going to try to win games, but just the idea of that he has to be an MVP caliber player to, for the uh, Falcons to win some games. I agree with him. I, do you see it that way that he can be, I don't like the word game manager, but that's if he's at least that, then I think we can still win another, a lot of games with the way our offense is set up to be this year. I do. I absolutely agree. Um, I think when you look at last year, um, Atlanta managed to win seven games in a year where their record in one-score games was not very good. Um, and naturally, you would expect that pendulum to kind of shift more towards, you know, about 500 this year. Um, and I think when you look at the pieces that they have around Ritter offensively, whether it's a Robinson, a Patterson, an Algier, uh, London, Kyle Pitts, whoever it may be, there's enough talent to where Ritter won't have to play hero ball. And, you know, obviously Atlanta had the league's number three rushing offense last year. Um, you would expect that'll only improve this year with Robinson added in. And then obviously you've got continuity at four out of five offensive line spots. Uh, and, and so you really would expect the running game to be the heart and soul of the, t- of the team once again uh, to where, you know, again, last year they won seven games. You'd expect quarterback play to improve marginally at, at the very least. Um, with the progress that Ritter showed last year throughout his four games since. Um, and again, the way that they've improved the floor of the team, not just offensively, but throughout the entire roster, really, you would expect the, you wouldn't really need elite level play out of Ritter, even if you're only adding an extra two to three wins with the schedule alone. I think there's a lot working in Atlanta's favor, uh, whether it's offensively, whether it's strength of schedule. And again, just kind of that, you know, one, one possession game pendulum kind of shifting back in their favor to where Ritter can just play average ball. And I think 10, 11 wins is still firmly in play. I still think that the one thing about this offense is, and in Arthur Smith's first year, they were 24th in red zone touchdown efficiency. They were 14th in the league last year in red zone touchdown efficiency. I think the one area that really has to improve is they have to be an elite red zone offense. And when you look at the amount of weapons that they have, because I, I think it's funny when people talk about, well, they need another pass catcher. They've got enough players to catch the football, but they need to be an elite red zone offense. And there's no reason why, with the personnel that they have, that they can't be, you know, again, 67% touchdown percentage and, and find their way into the top five, six, you know, as far as red zone efficient offenses. Yeah. I would agree, and I, I think with the addition of Bijan Robinson, I think you're particularly hoping that that number increases from where it was last year. Obviously, across Ritter's four starts, red zone efficiency was, as you pretty much you know mentioned, was not a strong suit last year. Um, and really, with Arthur Smith, that's kind of been one of the more worrisome trends, um, you know, throughout his tenure. And I think that's for sure one of the things you're really hoping um, improves massively this year. And again. The weapons that they have, whether it's London at 6'4", Pitts at 6'5", 6'6", with the wingspans that they have, you've got two guys who should, in theory, with their size and play styles alone, should be, you know, big jump ball guys who should thrive in, in, in the red zone. And, and really just once you get down there, there's no reason for them to not be more involved than they were last year. London in particular showed the last few games that he can be a threat down there when used properly. And I, I think, obviously, the – the connection that him and Ritter have from whether it's working out together last offseason in California or rooming together last year at, at, at rookie minicamp, there's obviously clear chemistry there. And I think red zone in particular, everything is so important on timing and 
and just really trust as well. There's really no reason that London in particular shouldn't be a more uh, prominent part of what they're trying to accomplish. But I think when you look at the running game as well, again, I'm going to keep harping on it. That's going to be such an integral part of what they're trying to accomplish this year. Last year, it felt like at times they kind of got away from running the ball uh, once they kind of moved inside, you know, 10, 15 yards out. Um, and I think you look at the bodies that they have, Robinson, Algier, and Patterson are all 215-plus pounds. You know, I mean, those are physical guys with, with vision and feel and are really hard to tackle. Um, and if you rotate them right, those are three guys that should be fresh. And so I think really the pieces are all there, and Arthur Smith's red zone offense in Tennessee was never that bad to, you know, kind of what it's been in Atlanta. And so I think there's definitely the pieces there to where the jump that, you know, you mentioned, whether it's at 67% or higher of trying to just, you know, finish off drives. Ritter showed last year he could drive the ball, um, especially that Ravens game. They, they moved it really well. They just struggled finishing. That's absolutely the next step, I think, for this offense. And I, I think all the pieces are there to where they can take that next step. Daniel Flick is a uh, Falcons writer for SI.com and Fan Nation, joining me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. So this is still my concern about the Atlanta Falcons, is I have concerns that they can influence the game on the defensive side of the football at the point that it's most important. And, you know, I'm a big – I'm a, no, I'm, I'm not going to say big – I'm a huge advocate of sacking the quarterback. I think it's I think of anything you can do defensively in the NFL, I think it's the most important thing you can do because if you can sack the quarterback, you can drastically influence the way a game is played. Do you think what let me ask you this. What do you think is still your biggest concern going into this season for the Falcons? Yep, you know, I'm glad that you brought up pass rush. I think that until we see productivity out of that group, that's probably the main concern. Just because after the, you know, past several years of Atlanta's pass rush just being largely non-existent, um, I think a lot of people are kind of in see-it-to-believe-it mode. Um, And I think you look at the pieces that they have up front, whether it's a Calais Campbell, uh, you know, obviously inside you've got Onyemata and Jared and, and, and Graham and a lot of really talented pressure players on that entire front. Um, I think you look at that outside pass rush. Um, I personally believe that Arnold Epichetti is in for a really big second year. Um, if you look at what he did last year, I believe he was Atlanta's defensive player of the game in week 11 um, against Chicago and then came back and got hurt the week after that. And uh, he already had, a, I believe, a pressure and a, a tackle for loss when he got hurt after about eight or nine snaps. And then once he came back, his snaps were kind of cut. His play was clearly cut as well and uh, but he was really turning a corner prior to that injury and I think a lot of people kind of forget about that and so I think you know if he takes that next step pass rush is not as big of a concern um, I still think the, the overall floor of the edge group has been lifted significantly to where I'm pretty sure in the past two years the Falcons are looking at about 39 and a half to 40 sacks combined which over last year alone would have put them below average in the NFL um, and that's a two-year average for Atlanta to, to reach that point. And so, you know, obviously you've got a, a lot of veterans, frankly, that should, in theory, lift not only pressure rate but overall sack production. Um, and I, I think that's, again, the floor is so much higher to where you should be looking at at least 30 to 35 sacks, which is going to be almost twice as many as last year alone, um, which, again, drastically improves pretty much everything up front and 
Um, obviously, Atlanta's improved the secondary a fair amount as well this offseason to where you might see more coverage sacks as well. Um, but I think Ryan Nielsen uh, in New Orleans, obviously, he, he made it. He made those mug looks up front with his linebackers very, very prominent. Um, and so I think with Ellis and, and Troy Anderson at, at that second level, um, those two guys have a lot of rush capability as well. Um, and I think that the more that you look at the pieces that are there, you've got a good blend of veterans who've proven that they can pressure guys, proven they can finish, um, you know, a, a new play caller who's, who's proven that he can scheme up pressure and is really creative with some of the rush packages that he has. Uh, and so I think, you know, if Ebiketti, it's a pretty big if, but I think if Ebiketti can kind of take that next step that I think that he'll, he'll take, and I think the Falcons anticipate he'll take as well, um, I think you're talking about a, a really high ceiling for Atlanta's edge rush group for the first time in, in several years, which um, obviously is, is massive for a unit that, that's, you know, been ranked quite low the past several years. So um, I think Ebiketti, whether or not he takes that next step is probably the most pressing concern on my mind at the moment. But I think that there's a level of confidence there that he will take that step. Um, and, and Atlanta's pass rush should, uh, big emphasis there on should, take a, a pretty good step forward. I think the low-key best move that the Falcons made in this offseason wasn't any kind of player signing. I think it's bringing in Jerry Gray, and he's a stalwart defensive mind. Um, He obviously worked with Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor in their rookie years in Seattle in 2010, had a big hand in making those guys into the players that they were. Jair Alexander talks about how much of an influence he was with him when he was in Green Bay and – Jair Alexander is one of the better corners in, in the entirety of the NFL. I really am excited about him. And I think that, look, I think Jeff Okuda is in line for a big year this year. You know, again, if we can get our secondary up to speed, you know, we were not a very good pass defense last year. But I think with Okuda, A.J. Terrell, now Jesse Bates back there, whatever combination of Jalen Hawkins and Richie Grant and Mike Hughes and everybody, really think that the secondary is the most improved unit for this Atlanta Falcons team. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think this time last year, a lot of people felt like the secondary was probably one of, if not the strongest units on the, on the team with how last offseason shaped up. And then, you know, some of the guys that they had there and obviously injuries kind of hit and um, the unit wasn't necessarily as good as we all hoped. And, um, but I, I think as you look forward into this year, obviously a, a big pressing um, area to watch is, is slot corner. Um, and I think you've got three guys there with, with Alford, Clark Phillips, and and, uh, and Hughes. As, as you kind of referred to, he's a guy that, that spent a lot of time with Gray in Minnesota. Um, and, and, you know, they're pretty familiar with each other. Obviously, you got a pretty pretty solid contract this offseason where you think he'll probably see quite a – I'd say a pretty large number of snaps. Um, but I, I think the overall secondary, you mentioned the safeties there. I think – with Richie Grant, you bring in Jesse Bates from Cincinnati. You've got to feel really comfortable. The more that you move Richie Grant closer to the line of scrimmage, I think the better he is. I, I think, you know, last year Arthur Smith praised his physicality, uh, just how good of a tackler he was, his overall communication skills. He got exposed a little bit playing single high at times last year, and I think the closer that you put him in the box playing up front where, where his physicality shines a bit more, that's going to help him take another step forward after what was already a pretty big leap from last year, or I should say from his rookie year to last year. Um, and it, I think that him, him and Jesse Bates alone is, is going to be a really, a really comforting 
thing, I, I think, for Ryan Nielsen. Uh, and I think it's a type of deal where it kind of allows him to be a little bit more aggressive with, you know, some of the um, rush packages that he, he can kind of scheme up and, again, only help that pass rush, as, as you and I were talking about earlier. Um, again, at corner, I, I think A.J. Terrell last year was not his finest year after that all-pro year in 2021. Uh, but I think, you know, he, he did improve as the year went on after a bit of a tough start. Uh, and I think that, you know, the way that he played and kind of the leadership role that he's kind of ascended into over the last year or two is um, certainly confidence enough to where you think that he'll probably end up being, again, that, that top-tier corner. And then it forces teams to start looking towards Okuda. And, you know, all the talk is that Okuda's kind of change of scenery is going to be really productive for him. And, um, you know, we're not going to really find that out until live snaps take place or potentially in, in camp here over the next few weeks. But um, I think with Okuda, such a talented guy, and a lot of people kind of overlook the fact that his first two years were rabid with injuries. And so last year was kind of his first fully healthy. Um, he was pretty solid all things considered for a guy that hadn't really played and was his team's top corner and kind of forced to play, you know, a lot of talented top guys. He won't be in that same role this year. You mentioned Jerry Gray, you know, such a, a, a veteran of the game. I mean, Arthur Smith has just raved about his presence off the field as much as on the field, you know, I mean, truly a, a culture changer, I think in that secondary and, uh, you know, the overall staff changes that they've made defensively, I, I think is only, it has only helped not only with the energy, um, but just kind of fresh faces have, have just kind of, I, I think, um, provided a, a, a new lease on certain things. And obviously Okuda is new to everything here, but I, I think that it's the type of deal where you're hoping that he can kind of show why he was drafted so highly at, at third overall. Um, and I think, you know, I feel like there's potential for him and Terrell to kind of really shine. And I think the more that you force teams to start throwing in the slot and kind of, trying to, to challenge vertically, the more you kind of let those safeties play into it. And it, it's really uh, the way the secondary is shaping up, I think, is very exciting. I think back there, um, I think the Falcons have about five to six guys at corner alone that you're confident in playing. Um, and that's uh, certainly a breath of fresh air compared to years past. So I think really there's a, a very high ceiling for that group. Daniel Flick writes about the Atlanta Falcons for SI.com Fan Nation. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at DFlickDraft, and he joined me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Daniel, really appreciate the time. Thanks, buddy, for a few minutes on the show tonight. We will chat again with you here soon. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to it. You got appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you. When, you. when we come back, we'll be time for What's Bugging Chuckery. Simmons sits, and he still gets what he wants. I'll explain up next. Chuck Green, the Key Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Friday night with you. 404-726-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the uh, show. Uh, check us out on the Odyssey app at JMCH316 at Lewis 4 real on our personal Twitter page. We will do rank them coming up here at 1040. It is a Friday night, so we got the dance party later on for the Brown Liquor Music Hour. we got rank them. 
coming up at uh, 1040. Uh, we'll talk some Braves at the 10 o'clock hour. We'll uh, we'll do the closeout and uh, see what happens. Um, it's been a back-and-forth game thus far. Milwaukee got two in the first inning. Uh, it started with um, uh, started with Christian Yelich. He um, he singled, well singled, turned it into a double, and then William Contreras bounced one off the wall to score him. So they got a couple of runs in, and then the Braves came up in the top of the second, and they picked up three runs. Arcia with the big blow, he uh, hit a two-run homer. As um, you know, now the Braves are. Three to two up on Milwaukee. We're in the uh, bottom of the second inning uh, right now. So uh, five runs already in less than two full innings. Mike Soroka, um, who's trying to get himself back on track, he's got an inning and two thirds, and he's got three hits, two runs given up, no uh, walks, and a strikeout, and obviously no home run. But again, his ERA is at five point seven six. So got to get that thing down, and um, let's hope he can give about six innings tonight. Let, let's see if he can get six innings, kind of keep it where it is at about two runs. You know, he works his way through, you know, the lineup. If You know, again, if he's six hits, two runs, I'll take that, right? I'll take that all day long from from him. So, uh, again, let's hopefully that uh, he can get this thing worked out and get this thing figured out. But, um, you know, again, he's uh, on the mound. Peralta's got a couple of innings. He's got three hits and three runs that he's given up in the game. Uh, and the Arcia home run was the big blow, the two-run shot. So uh, Orlando Arcia, by the way, has 10 homers on the year. Anybody see that coming? Forget the all-star starting shortstop gig. Forget the, you know, almost 300 batting average. Um, anybody see him having double-digit home runs this year? And he's had some pop. I mean, he's had some pop in, in years past. I think his high was like 15 or something like that. So he has had a little bit of pop uh, before. But um, I'm not sure that we thought that he would just be out there. You know, again, somewhere a dozen, 15 homers when the season ends would be a pretty good number. I mean, he's he's been a very productive player. And the fact that he's hitting 293 on the year just tells you how good uh, it's been for him. So we'll uh, we'll keep up to date all night long about the Atlanta Braves and um, – What's uh, what's going on there? Reminder: We do have training camp coverage coming up on Thursday of next week, so things will go pretty quickly. And then, uh, because we got a lot going on, like the uh, uh, Atlanta United uh, is back in action on Tuesday in this League's Cup. They will take on Inter Miami. Um, that will be on Tuesday. Uh, they'll play again in League's Cup on action on Saturday. But then we get into training camp. And it starts, you know, in what? What is it, six days? Veterans will report first part of the week, but actual practices on the field will happen in six days from now. So we will have all of your exclusive training camp coverage. And when I say exclusive, we have exclusive coverage of training camp up there. So we'll have, uh, what is it, the morning shaft, right? Yep, morning show. So, they, so, so the morning shaft, they do four hours in the mornings, right? No. Huh? No. Um, Chuck House. They'll be out there. Okay, so they uh they've got their four hour show that they that they do two hours, uh, huh? Fastest two hours in radio. That's I thought, the, I, thought the tag. Was, I thought that was a joke. No, no, that's the tag. That's how long their show is. Yes. Oh. Don't they have eighty people that host it? <laughs> Not quite eighty. Oh, oh, seventy six. <laughs> sorry. Um, uh, then Andy and Randy they'll do their four hours up at uh, training camp. Um. 
They'll do their show. Huh? They'll do their show. Yeah, a four-hour show, right? 10 to 2? 11. Huh? 11 to 2. How long is that? <laughs> Three hours. Huh. Okay. All right. Uh, well, then Dukes and Bell will at least work a full uh, show. Yeah. Um, they, they've got their 2 to 7. Uh, they'll be at the Hooters at the Mall of Georgia. So they uh, that's their kind of their home away from home. And uh, they were up there for training camp last year. And I know they had a blast up there. That was a, They said that they had a lot of fun up there, good crowds, um, you know, people coming in. Look, I mean, when you broadcast for a week at a time, that's that's what you want, right? You want some regulars starting to come in. So they will be up there Thursday and, and Friday of that week, and then they will be up there the whole next week. So while everybody is at training camp, they will be uh, holding it down at the, at the Hooters at the Mall of Georgia. So, uh, and that's right by, um, you know, not, not too far away from – from where training camp is, so um, but anyway, they they will have all that coverage, and then then we are where where I, I was trying to read on it because they have where everybody's at, so we are uh, at where where what restaurant are we at? As far as training camp is concerned, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we know, are at um, it's called um here, huh? Here, you know that it's, it's exclusive. Where? Here, H E R E here. It's it's very exclusive. Harry. <laughs> Hayry? is that is that a, is that some kind of tapas bar? No, or no, no, Hayry? no. It's actually a studio. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that didn't work out so well. Anyway. All right. Uh, speaking of not working out very well, let's get to something we call what's bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. So this story kind of I thought was funny. The NBA's new collective bargaining agreement, which was released late last month ahead of free agency, came with a previously undisclosed side letter indicating that Ben Simmons is getting credit for a full year of service when he held out from the team. Let me repeat that. Ben Simmons has received credit for a full year of service in the season in which he held out from the Philadelphia 76ers, then was traded to the Brooklyn Nets. Hmm. So they say years of service comes into play when determining whether players are eligible for maximum contracts of certain sizes or for other benefits. Counting the 2021 season, uh, sorry, counting the 2021-2022 season at issue, Simmons now has seven official years of service in the NBA. Officials from several teams had argued Simmons should not receive credit for his 2021-2022 season, sources said. Well, duh. So, wait a second. If you hold out... And don't play. That gets you a full season in the NBA? Even if you're paid. You you know that like they have, you you know like they have in the NFL, the commissioner exempt list, right? Where you're not allowed to play in practice, but you get paid for it. Because again, they, they can't withhold your money or whatever like that. You still have a contract that owes you the money. But they cannot play you. But they can't that they can't not pay you. Um, Simmons showed up to training camp before the 2021-2022 season, then refused to fully participate 
or play in regular season games, citing his mental health. Well, I guess that's the reason why, right? It's exactly what it is. Yeah. That's what I was waiting for you to get through everything, but I was going to say this all boils down to the mental health thing, and I think we talked talked about this at one point last year or whenever all that was going on that this was going to the mental health thing was going to play a role in oh sure of course yeah you know you know what he's giving me mental health issues okay uh then in february 2022 the sixers traded simmons to the nets in a deal that sent james harden to the uh, philadelphia phillies so oh and by the way he continued to sit out in brooklyn so even after he's traded he sat out in brooklyn Citing knee and back issues. Ooh, my, ooh, my arm. Ooh, my arm. I think my arm's broken. Rodney. Did he get hit by a golf ball in his elbow off uh, off the uh, ball washer? Uh, then he went. Uh, then he had back surgery in April of twenty. Can I, can I say? Okay. This is this is one of the great works in history. This is a better work than anything. Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels did back in the mid-90s when they were fighting with one another, but yet not fighting with one another. This is one of the great works of all time. This is better than Hogan and Savage. This is one of the great ones of all time. This is ridiculous. I, I Again, I won't even get into that, that discussion, I, you know. Um, the two sides settled their grievance in August of 2022, allowing Simmons to recoup a portion of his salary. Because remember, he wasn't getting paid. Remember, he was. Remember, he, when he when he didn't go to camp. Remember, he was owed a bunch of his money up front for appearing at training camp. Then he didn't appear at training camp. But um, they say a separate clause in the CBA, which existed in prior versions of the agreement. Holds that any player who withholds playing services for more than 30 days after the start of last season covered by his contract could be deemed to have violated his contract and prohibited from entering free agency or signing with any other professional basketball team unless the team with which he played last expressly agrees to otherwise. Well, he was he was traded. <laughs> he didn't have to worry about all that. He was traded away. This is... This is really one of the great works in modern history. Can I tell you that the longer this goes on, the less I believe everything that was happening around that time. And I try to give him the benefit of the doubt, but you know what? I ain't giving him. I at this point in life, now that I'm 51, heart attack, stroke, everything else that went along with it, I ain't giving anybody the benefit of the doubt. Suck it up, Buttercup. Suck it up, Buttercup. Okay? Get through it. Get through it. Again, I should be dead. I shouldn't be walking around. I laugh it off. Yeah, you know what? I make fun of my brain damage. I make fun of all of it. Because you know why, Day Day? Because ain't nothing going to kill me. Anyway. Yeah, this this whole Ben Simmons thing. I, I, again, you could pay him. You could tell all this stuff. I wouldn't have given him a year's worth of service. Not, not when you hold out like that. Not when you hold out. Again, if he'd been diagnosed with an injury that he... Was going to keep him out for an extended period of time. Okay, I could have I could have bought into all of that, but then it was oh my arm, oh my arm's broken, oh my arm. You know he's Rodney, he's at Bushwood Country Club, hanging out with Lane Kiffin and all the mooks over there. Anyway, that's what's bugging Chuckery.
All right, Braves uh, 5-2 now for the Atlanta Braves. Riley has homered. Remember when uh, Austin Riley was having his struggles and all that? What, four straight games with a home run now? He's on fire. Two-run shot. He scored. He's got a couple of RBI in the game. Four uh, consecutive games with a home run. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now all of a sudden he's hot now. All of a sudden he's caliente. Or what What was the old term on yeah, the sports it. center? No, no. Uh, in fuego. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah in fuego. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. All right, more to come. Chuck Green, the Key Studios. Sports Radio after the game. Odyssey.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.